bitterness is, is and hate, which leads to all sorts of things, but bitterness is a horrible condition of the heart. I mean, you know, as I said uh, to her mother, I said, your husband has cancer in his body. You have cancer in your soul. And the Lord wants to heal you. And so I've been trying to speak and minister in the degrees and capacities that the Lord has enabled me, but, um, but we need a miracle. But we serve a miracle-working God. And so and I want to share from the scripture this morning a wonderful truth that surrounds this particular um, issue in the word of God. So, and it would probably be a familiar portion in Exodus chapter 15, if you could turn there. Now, we understand the, we've read the glorious miracles that God has performed in bringing the children of Israel out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt. You understand the purpose of Moses and how God uh, visited uh, the children of Israel and the, the mighty judgments and the mighty miracles that God performed to bring them out of bondage under the slavery of Egypt, under the, um, the hand of Pharaoh, and then bringing them through the Red Sea and parting the waters and, and just the whole story that surrounds that whole encounter. And obviously these have spiritual truths that attach to them. And so well, we see a miracle working God doing mighty, mighty, mighty miracles. Now these are all symbolic in many ways. But it's what God does next as, he, as the seas part and the waters are divided and here they are, they're going through on dry land and then as they pass through they turn and they see the waters come upon the armies of, of the Egyptians and uh, in a sense their deliverance is complete. And so um, they're no doubt rejoicing in God's power, they're rejoicing in victory, they're rejoicing in freedom and all that is associated with it. And then it's what God does next that is quite interesting, that is very important for us to note and to take uh, note of because it teaches us a spiritual lesson. It shows us something about the purposes of God, how God works and who God is and what God wants to do in the human heart. It's not just forgiveness of sins but uh, it is healing, it is deliverance that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ and this is illustrated as we will see in the very uh, text that we will read in a moment, because what we're going to read, though we read it in the story of Israel, it applies to, uh, in, it has its application to the sinner in a sense, it has its application to the new Christian, it has its application even to the, uh, uh, um, uh, the, uh, the long-term Christian in their journey in life, because the reality is this, uh, we are all susceptible to the bitterness of life. If you've lived long enough, you'll realise things happen. There's sufferings, there's, there's consequences of sin and the effect that it has upon the human heart and the human life. And you see around your world that is suffering and you see the result of the, that hurt and it turns into this ugly bitterness. 
and hatred that festers in the heart of men. So let's look, let's read our text in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22. So God has brought Israel out and they are rejoicing. Let's pick it up at verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses saying, What shall we drink? So he, Moses, cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Then he made a statute and an ordinance for them and there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you, Jehovah Rapha. Then they came to Elam where there were twelve wells of water and 70 palm trees, so they camped there by the waters. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would minister this morning. This is not just a word of truth, God, God, that has some general application, but Lord, it has specific applications to our lives. And so, God, I pray that you would minister, Lord, God, where there that need is in the heart of every man or woman, even those that are present, God, I pray for your spirit to move and to your, that you would work as you can only, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now here is God bringing Israel through the Red Sea and the Bible says that they journeyed for three days in the wilderness. And so as they journey for three days in the wilderness, in the desert, obviously they're thirsty. They're, they're, they've acquired a deep thirst now. It's becoming intolerable. They are thirsty. And so as a result of that, they finally, the Bible says, they came uh, uh, to, uh, in the wilderness and they found no water, but when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters. So they come to this place and they see these waters and they are, you could picture they're rejoicing, they're ready to drink and as they about to partake, the bitterness of the water is so bad that they cannot drink the water. That's why it is called Mara in the Hebrew. The word Mara obviously means bitter. And so the waters were bitter and they could not drink those waters. You see, this is interesting because the question is, is why? They're saying to God, they complain to Moses, well, why? We've come out of Egypt, there's all these miracles, and so why? We're dying of thirst now. Where these waters, we can't drink them, they're bitter. And so the question is, why? Why, God? How many times people have asked that question? Why, God? Sometimes it can be uh, uh, in truth, but sometimes it can be the result of something that's festering deeper in the heart. And so they're saying, God, what are you doing? Why is this happening? But I want to declare to you this morning that God knows exactly what he's doing. God knows exactly what's happening. 
You see, and in the circumstances of life, especially for us as Christians, we learn to identify that, you know, in, that God is at work. Even in the midst of a, the most ugliestness of circumstances, God is present. Nothing takes God by surprise. He's not ignorant of what's going on. He knows uh, the waters are bitter. It's like, oh my gosh, they're bitter? No, no, God led them to those waters. This was part of the divine purpose of God. He allowed them to thirst for three days in the wilderness and then he brings them divinely to the waters of Marah and they went to drink and the waters were bitter. You see, God is at work because the truth is this, is God wants to bring forth the bitterness of their own heart. See, God wants to heal them. God wants to bring, uh, he's delivered them in terms of their say, they've come out of Egypt, they've experienced the mighty hand of God, uh, which is a picture of sin and, and being saved and delivered from sin and, and translated into the kingdom of God and all of those things. But the first thing God says, we've got to do some business here. We've got to deal with the issues of your heart. Because even uh, the Bible says uh, we know that they were slaves in Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 1 verse 13, if we go there you'll see that it makes a reference to this when it says, um, in, so the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigour and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar, in brick and in all manner of service in the field or the service in which they made them serve with rigour. And so the Bible clearly tells us the result of, this, of them being in slavery in Egypt, it brought about a bitterness of life. Now, uh, we understand that the, Egypt is a picture of the world. Pharaoh is a picture of the devil. And we understand that we uh, ourselves, before we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, so many were, uh, were in a sense, were, uh, the devil, the Bible says, he comes to steal, kill and destroy and he has, he's a hard taskmaster, the devil. He has no mercy. And his desire is to destroy people's lives. And that's exactly what he does in various ways. And things happen. And people are, are, are violated. People are hurt. People suffer. People commit sin. And there's, there's the guilt that they live with and the condemnation and the shame. And the list goes on and on and on. And all this results and festers because of the rigour of life and the experiences of life and the bitterness of life. That's why it's very rare to, when you meet an older person that still has a smile and can, you know, um, has a, a spring in their step because many, many have, uh, have been wreaked by the bitterness of life and the experiences thereof. And so, this is what happens. This is what was the, the condition of the state of Israel. This is what is the condition of our own heart many a times. And we will find that when we get saved, and thank God for his grace, but one of the first things that God do, does, he brings us face to face with some issues of our life. He says it's time to, he causes, the, he causes to surface the bitterness of life. 
He does. I know it from my experience. When I first became a Christian, I was brought face to face with some issues of my life that had, uh, had, had been afflicted upon me and I had to face some of these things and begin to deal with them and you wonder why, but you see God's causing that bitterness to come to the surface because he wants to heal. That's why he reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha. Uh, he wants them to know, I am the Lord that heals you. We, uh, we say, God, why? What's happening? Why am I hurting? God is saying, I'm bringing you face to face with these issues because I want to bring deliverance. I want to bring healing to your life. That's what God's doing. But see, so many people are still wreaked in bitterness as a result of uh, all that has happened and they have suffered and been victim to in life. But you see, as we've mentioned, God allows us to thirst. God allows us sometimes to go through the wilderness for a season and he causes us to thirst. And then all of a sudden he causes to rise in our hearts the issues that he wants to deal with in, in our lives. I know that. I can testify to that too. Even as I served the Lord over a period of time, there were some things that were still unresolved in my heart and God says, they came up and they surfaced. But you know what? The Lord healed me. And I look back and I say, now I know exactly, well, back then I understood it was God that brought it out. It was God that brought me face to face. It was God that caused these things to surface, just like he led Israel to the waters of Marah. He wanted to deal with this bitterness, this root of bitterness in their lives. So people say, well, why would God want to hurt me? Why would God want to see me suffer? Why would he want to see me so visibly distressed? Because he sees what's killing you and he wants to bring it, he wants to bring it to the surface and he wants to set us free. See, this story that we're just looking at here in Exodus 15, it speaks to the new Christian in Christ and represents the deeper work that God wants to do in the heart of every soul. But there are other lessons that we can learn from Scripture that relate to this. And it's another lesson is found, as you're probably familiar with, in the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth and again, teaches and symbolises many, many different things, but in the context of what we're talking about today, we know the story and this is a, a representation of uh, maybe a child of God who has disobeyed, who has, uh, who has in, in sin or rebellion or has turned her back on the Lord and has walked away from God or whatever the case may be. But there's disobedience and there's consequences and the Bible teaches us in Hebrews about the discipline of, of the Lord, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And we see this picture in the book of Ruth and the story of the book of Ruth is that her and her husband Elimelech are there in Bethlehem and there's a famine in the land, the Bible says, and so um, Elimelech takes his wife and they go down to Moab. They leave Bethlehem, the house of bread in Scripture. And so this is not God's will. 
but yet uh, this is what they're doing. And as a result, uh, um, Elimelech ends up dying. Uh, the story talks, you know, you have the story of her two sons, Marlon and Chilin, and they uh, get married and then they also die. And so uh, the story goes on and then Naomi, as her name is, I mentioned Ruth, I should have been talking about Naomi as something you've probably realised. The book of Ruth, but we're talking about Naomi and, and Elimelech. Sorry about that. And so Naomi and Elimelech and the children, so you fill in the gaps. So Naomi has uh, two daughter-in-laws, one of them is Ruth and one is Orpah. And so... Um, and so anyway, she hears that the Lord has visited Bethlehem with bread and so she's obviously, there's nothing tying her there to the land of Moab anymore. She's going to go back uh, to uh, her people, back to her hometown, back in Bethlehem. And when she arrives, the people are all excited. Naomi's returned. And the word Naomi, in the Bible it means pleasant. In Hebrew, pleasant. But when she comes back and they are all excited to see her and they're rejoicing at her return, Naomi says to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara because I am bitter. The Lord has afflicted me and he's dealt severely with me, she says. And so she's expressing the bitterness of her experience of life and she's demonstrating the fact that, don't call me, I'm not pleasant, I'm not Naomi, but now you can call me Mara. And this typifies sometimes the, the new Christian, they get saved and they're, you, know, you can call me Naomi, I'm pleasant, praise the Lord. But as the years go on and the experiences of life and, and things happen and, and whatever it is that goes on, we can too come to that same place where we say in effect, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. And the bitterness of life begins to take its toll and its root in our lives. You see, the experiences of life can change us and sometimes not for the better. Bitterness is an ugly cancer of the soul. It changes people. It changes their personalities. It changes, it's it's like a festering disease that brings forth resentment and hatred. But you see, another reality is, is that in life, there are consequences for disobeying God and sometimes in bearing these, the fruit of these, the fruit is bitterness. And this is what's highlighted for us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, when it talks about God's discipline. It talks about God uh, uh, loves, uh, whom the Lord loves, he chastises. And so we know that God, as a result of his love for us, will discipline us when we there's disobedience in our lives. And then as the writer goes on, he highlights and he says in verse, Hebrews chapter 12, he brings about a warning in verse 15 and he says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Bitterness brings about a defilement in our relationship with God. It brings about a defilement in our own soul. It brings about a defilement in anything we touch. 
because the root of bitterness, when it lodges itself in the heart, uh, um, uh, uh, it grows and it grows and it grows and then when it rears its ugliness and its venom and its hatred, uh, it is, it is um, sickening and horrific to behold in its fullness. And that's why the Hebrew says that that which is lame may be healed. And, and, and so God wants to bring healing. He, wants, he doesn't want us to fall trap and victim uh, to this, bis, this bitterness uh, of life. It was David in his own experience as well. He had to wrestle with these issues. In Psalm 38, uh, he talks about it himself. And let me read it to you. He says in verse 1, he says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure, for your arrows pierce me deeply and your hand presses me down. There's no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head, laid a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly, I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are full of inflammation, there is no soundness in my flesh, I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. See, this is, the, this, is the, the, these, this is the result of the experiences of life and the bitterness of life that can come in as a result of sin, disobedience before the Lord. So the question is, well, what's the answer? You say, well, it's God. Of course it's God. But the answer, as is found in Exodus 15 and the answer as found in Hebrews 12 and the answer is found in the words of David as we will see later, are all related to the same thing in principle and ultimately it finds its expression in God and it finds its expression in all that God has done for us and specifically, amen, it finds itself in the cross of Jesus Christ for us today. You see in, verse, in our text in verse 24 the Bible says, and the people complained. They complained, what shall we drink? Naomi complained about the, the, what had been, she had been afflicted with before the Lord and no doubt we find ourselves and can relate to many times uh, because of things in life complaining as well and so we must be weary of these things. And so Moses, uh, when he hears the complaints of the people, he can't bear the burden and so he cries out to God and he says, Lord... You know, one of the things that I have learned, and even in now, and I knew this, but then when you're living in it again, as I see it firsthand now, uh, you realise that this is not, a, there's no, humanly speaking, you, we cannot touch the depths of the human soul. Don't tell me about psychologists and psychiatrists and all of these things. No, even I can share the word of God, I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make them drink. And what is required for a person to experience the freedom is they too need a miracle from God. I can't do it in my wisdom. I can't do it with my scheming and my abilities. I don't, it's not in me. I can be a vessel to speak the word of God and declare the truth of God's word, but ultimately, amen, it has to be a work of God in the heart 
of an individual that brings this. And this is what these things teach us. And this is what our text in Exodus reveals to us. And I've found myself many a times, because when, as you, as you see the turmoil of, God, uh, of Barbara's heart, all we can do is cry out to God. That's what Moses did. Cried out to God. Can't do much else. God, you've got to help us. God, you've got to do something. God, you've got to intervene. God, you've got to move. And so, God does. Look at verse 25. So he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree. A tree. Just a tree. God says to him, cast the tree into the water and when you throw that tree into the water, the waters will be made sweet. That's great. Whatever the tree, you know, you just get this this tree, how big it was, exactly what it was, I don't know, and throws it into the water. And so you think, gosh, why would God have done that? Because God was teaching us something. This was another shadow. This was another type. This was something else that was pointing to the ultimate sacrifice. And the tree is representative of the cross of Christ. You see, because it's the cross this morning that is the power of God. It's the cross, amen, that, we, that brings us to a place of humility and brokenness before God. It's when we look at the cross that we see a saviour who was beaten and battered. We see a saviour who had every reason to be bitter, but yet hung on that cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And we see God's love, we see God's power and when we see the brokenness of God and we see the love of God, we ourselves come to the cross in humility and we experience that power and that love and that gives, it sets the, he sets us free and gives us the ability and power to forgive and to be free from the bitterness of life. Thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen to Galatians chapter 3. Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You see, when we, the tree that is symbolic here is speaking of Christ, amen, who would ultimately come, I am the Lord who heals you uh, and he is the one that heals us, amen, of our sin. He is the one that heals us of the consequences of sin. He is the one, amen, that sets it, uh, uh, Jesus as he stood there, and, uh, and that day and he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has anointed me to heal the broken hearted to set at liberty uh, those that are oppressed and to set the captives free and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord I've come to seek and save that which is lost uh, those that are well have no need of a physician I've come for those that are sick 
You see, Jesus Christ, amen, is the one that uh, uh, sets us free uh, from sin and He is the one that heals our heart and, and, uh, from the bitterness of life. And I have known personally and I've observed so many times when people, when the, the, the bitterness of life comes to the surface and you see it in its ugliness and you see uh, it in its, uh, how it has held people in a prison bondage for so many years and you see them come to the Lord in brokenness. You see them come confessing. You see them come saying, Lord, help me to forgive. And I've seen people walk and they have been free. I experienced exactly that as well by the power of God when I came broken to the cross. You see, because what happens, people hold on to their bitterness. They don't want, God's wanting to bring you face to face. No, I'm holding on to this. You don't understand what has happened to me. And I, I, maybe I don't. Things have, people suffer. But you see, the effects of that has caused something to grow and develop in the heart. And God says, I, I'm bringing this to the surface because I want to set you free. I want to heal you. And people refuse in their stubbornness and their arrogance and their pride and they refuse to forgive. They, forgive, they refuse to allow God. You know, if God could forgive you of your sin, see, that's what we need. People who can't forgive others, they need a greater revelation of their own sin and their own heart. And if God can forgive you in Christ Jesus, then you must forgive others. And if you don't forgive, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you. You can't hold on to bitterness. You have no reason to. Jesus said, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. Bible says he came and he came and he went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And I tell you, when people live under the, that taskmaster, Pharaoh, the devil, and their lives are filled with rigour, they are bitter. And God says, I want to deal with that bitterness. I want to heal him. I want to set you free. I've come to destroy the works of the devil. And this is what was accomplished on the cross of Christ. That tree that Moses threw in the waters is symbolic of Christ and the cross. And I tell you now, in our lives, God can take those things and through the cross and through the power of God, as the one, as the Lord who heals us, we can experience, amen, the bitter become sweet. 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 Think about the sweetness of life. Sweet. The bitter becomes sweet. You see, what's impossible with man is possible with God. It says in verse 25 that, um, that when he casted in to the waters, the waters were made sweet and there he made a statue and an ordinance for them and there he tested them. Tested them. Now this is important because the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 17 verse 3, the refining pot is for silver, the furnace is for gold, 
but the Lord tests the heart. You see, when you take a, a gold or, uh, and, and through its refining process, they put it through heat, immense heat, in order to cause the impurities and the, and the dross to come to the surface and to purify. That's exactly what God's doing. The Lord tests the heart. And God brings us to the, these experiences and he brings us face to face with the issues of our lives. Why? Because he wants to... You know, when, when it comes to the surface, it's ugly. It can be so horrific. But if we will just... Do, if we will allow the Lord to heal, if we will do what God's requiring of us to do, then I tell you now, uh, our hearts would be purified and we will be set free. And this is how it works. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 10, the Bible says, The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share in its joy. You know, one of the things you know about a person that's bitter, they want to get everyone else to share their bitterness. You've got to hear what's happened to me. I, you, you need to understand why I am the way I am. And they want you to take on their bitterness. But no, it's a lonely place, bitterness. Because I, a stranger doesn't share its joy. I don't, I don't want to uh, embrace that. I don't want anything to do with that. And then it's a very lonely place to be. In Job 21 verse 25, it says, Another man dies in the bitterness of his soul, never having eaten with pleasure. They lie down alike in the dust, and worms cover them. How many people go to the grave bitter? Uh, it, uh, it's, it's a reality, but yet here we have a God who says, I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha. And so this aspect of Jehovah Rapha that's being revealed, it's not just, it, okay, it speaks about healing from sin. It speaks about the things that God does for us in the initial stages of our new life in Christ where God heals the heart and works through a progression of sanctification and so forth. But you know, even as Christians over the longevity of years, things happen. I've seen it, I've witnessed it. Things that you would never have thought of and yet it happens in Christ to Christian homes. It happens to Christian families. And you see devastation, you see destruction, you see things happen. And it ought not to be so. But you see, even out of that and all that takes place, the reality is, is this truth, I am the Lord that heals thee, is the same, amen, in every instance and in every circumstance. And we must know that. Because the Lord wants to heal you. It's not your lot in life to remain uh, uh, bound. And, and, and oppressed. God wants to set us free. Hallelujah. And that's the way of the cross. Naomi found restoration in the book of Ruth. And even David himself did. In actual fact, let me read it to you in Psalm 38, where we read from earlier. David he gets to the point where he, he talks about, uh, in verse 8, where he says, I'm feeble and severely broken, and I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. This is a result of the consequence of his own sin. 
And later in verse 17, he says, For I am ready to fall. My sorrow is continually before me. He's at the end of himself. God's brought him to a place where the, he, he's tested the heart. He's brought it out. He's brought him to the end of himself. He's humbled him. He's brought it to the surface. And then what does David say in verse 18? He says, I will declare my iniquity. I will be anguish in anguish over my sin. And so God brings forth confession. He brings forth us to acknowledgement of, uh, of whether it's sin or in this case unforgiveness or bitterness or whatever the circumstances are. But I tell you, once it comes forth and once that confession is made, amen, there is liberty, there is healing. And this is exactly what David experienced. That's why David, again, if you go back into Psalm 32, listen to his words because he's talking here about the joy of forgiveness and he says in verse 3, he says, When I kept silent, my, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me and my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Sounds like he went through the wilderness for a few days. And then he came to the waters of Marah. And the Bible says in verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The joy of the forgiveness of God, the freedom of the forgiveness of God. God's forgiveness is what makes the sweetness of life. It makes the bitter water sweet. And as we conclude this, it's what happens afterwards. Look at verse 27. After God heals the waters and makes them sweet and they're all happy again, the Bible says, Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees, so they camped there by the waters. Could you imagine that? <laughs> they've been at Mara and the waters are bitter. They've complained and you know God's done the miracle and they've had to endure that encounter. Then God brings them to Ilam uh, and there the Bible says uh, there were 70 palm trees and they camped there by the waters. Everyone was fighting for a spot under a palm tree and they just wanted to slap it up by the waters. Because you see, when God brings us through face to face with our bitterness and he brings us through the turmoil of our lives and he brings about healing, amen, you know what's beyond that? Rest. The 70 palm trees await. The living waters of God are there for us to freely drink. And we are to have life and life more abundant, Amen. And so that's where God wants to bring us. But sometimes when we will, we have to pass through the waters of Mara to get there. But God has a purpose. You see, we have this. You know, I read earlier in Galatians 3 verse 13. Bring it up, Matthew, if you can, because I want you to look at verse 13 and then verse 14. The Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, which is the, the righteousness of faith. That this, now listen, that we might 
receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Didn't Jesus say, if uh, after the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified, but what did Jesus say, if you believe on me, he says, out of your belly, out of your innermost living, it will flow rivers of living water. This is the Spirit of God in us, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And we had to come freely, amen, in type the Bible says, and drink from those waters. We have a stream that flows, amen, and it flows in our heart. But you see, that can be blocked up because of bitterness and the, th- and the things that fester in the human heart. You have to maintain your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence, the Bible says, for out of it spring the issues of life. You have to maintain your heart. We have to practice forgiveness. We have to deal with things because over the experiences of life, if, we're not, if we don't examine ourselves, uh, it's, uh, uh, some of the things that are in there, well, God will bring them to the surface, don't worry, if we don't deal with them. If we don't judge ourselves, then the Lord will judge us. He'll discipline us because he wants us to learn various lessons and he wants to reveal himself again to us as the Lord who heals And let me just close with one last thought. We talk about that and I've been saved now for, I don't know, 1992. So how many years is that? (laughs) Anyway, um, but you know, I I still remember who I was and where I come from. I look back at the bitterness of life. But I know who I am today and what God has done in my life. And I've had to endure some trials and tribulations as well. But I tell you what, the sweetness of my life now as a result of Christ is, is all... Because I don't know who I'd be today. The bitterness of life that would, I would, would approach upon me, I don't know. But you see, one thing that is sure. You know, it talks about Israel, that they, that the, of the bitterness of, of serving in Egypt and then the deliverance of God and then God making the bitter waters sweet. But one of the things that they would do when they would have their annual Passover feast each year is they would have to partake of the bitter herbs and they would have those bitter herbs and they'd put them in their mouth and they'd go... And it was to remind them of the bitterness of Egypt because now they're living in the blessedness of the promises of God, of the grace of God, of the love of God and the power of God. And two, when we partake of the communion and we think about the death of Christ, don't, don't ever forget the bitterness that God had saved us from. Where we came from, what God has done for us. He's the Lord that has healed me. And so thank God for a miracle working God this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. Lord, that you are a God who makes the bitter sweet in a way in which, Lord, only you can. And what you do, you do it completely, Lord. Only, God, that you, what you require of us, Lord, is that we would be humble, that we would be pliable, that we would, Lord, be obedient if, if, you actually said, if you heed the voice, if we... And it's important, God, that we, we would heed and obey the word of God. To, the commandment is to forgive. The commandment is, Lord, to pursue peace with all people. That no root of bitterness would spring up in our heart. And so I pray, God, for, for all that are here today, 
I don't know the circumstances. I don't know the depths and the experiences. But what I do know is that bitterness can last a long, 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 a lifetime. And it can cripple people's lives. And you know what's deep in the heart. Lord, I pray that you would bring it to the surface so that you can set people free and that you could heal them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Lord bless you.